Welcome to Apartment 309 Podcast, the one-sided storytelling podcast where I dive into true crime or the paranormal and tell it to my captive audience boyfriend while he reacts occasionally. So basically, just recording part of our normal day. I'm Lauren. And I'm Eric. And we live in in Apartment apartment 309. Hi. Hello. <laughs> you ready? I, I think so. We haven't recorded in a hot minute. I know. It's just life has hit us and we didn't... You know actually what I recently found out? Because I was looking into how other people balance their time with trying to record and edit. It's about 20 hours of my time per episode on top of working full time and on top of trying to run a business prepare for the markets and they actually record three or four episodes before releasing their first episode right yeah i did not do that is the time spent on editing and stuff is that on par i don't know i know i've gotten faster in just the few episodes that we've done yeah you get faster as you go learn tricks of the trade and whatnot right always be learning abl (laughs) But how's the last two weeks been for you? Uh, busy. Busy at work. Busy at home. I think I'm excited to do more markets. Whose truck are you driving? It's a rental. Somebody wrecked my truck. They didn't wreck it. They wrecked it as far as I'm concerned. What happened? Somebody hit me on the highway. He was a very nice chap, though. He admitted fault right away. And he stuck to it. He didn't change last minute on you. Yeah. Well, it would have been tough for him. I took a lot of pictures. You did. Glad that you were okay. Anyway, at the end of the day, it's been a wild ride. We did have our first market selling tie-dye. I make tie-dye wares and apparel, and uh, it was fun. It was was really fun. fun. We got to meet a lot of fun people in person, and your family stopped by. Some of my family stopped by. It was great. Yeah, it was a really good time. It was really nice that a lot of people came to support us. Yeah, they did. Support you. To support us. Hmm. I I had a lot of fun, though. Me too. A couple of sales and a lot of compliments, and it was fun. 10 yeah. out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> Make your hobby into something fun and sustainable. <laughs> well, I think, given those markets, at least during the summer, we're probably going to be releasing an episode every other week. We are going to try to get better at recording and releasing episodes, especially as we get into this coming fall every week. That's what I'd really love to do. And I just know that I can't work full time and run a business and do the podcast. Not good. I would be half-assing everything and I don't want to do that. Something's got to give. You're going to have to cut one out. Got to make room for everything. Just kind of shuffle it around and figure out what works. Come fall, we'll be back to weekly episodes. The dream is to be able to quit your job. I like my job, though. Gonna have to quit it. The dream is to be successful entrepreneurs. Entrepreneur. So what do you got for me today? Oh, and you know what? Don't forget to hit the follow button. Especially with us coming out bi-weekly, we don't want you to miss any episodes that we release. And when we switch back our schedule, we want you to be back on our schedule with us. Especially if you're listening on Spotify. I know you can just, boop, hit follow and it sends a little alert. It alerts us if you don't follow us, too. It does. So, no, it doesn't. Don't be that guy. 
Don't let Eric bully you. Follow. You need to follow now. Do it now, actually, while you're just get it out of the way. Yeah, especially if you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, do not do that. Do not operate Stop your phone you're operating doing. a vehicle. All right. Tonight, <laughs> today, whenever you're listening, we travel to the tippy top of the troposphere using nothing but rigged up lawn furniture and some party balloons filled with helium. Ooh. Mm. We will follow the tales of two adventurous men as they each attempt to break records in the Americas with enough courage and hubris that it would make evil Knievel blush. That's a feat. That would be quite the feat. What these two men did is called cluster ballooning. It's a form of aerial travel using only helium balloons. Pretty cool. That is pretty cool. It was most notably used in Old Orchard Beach, Maine, when an American photographer, and I'm going to absolutely slaughter his name right now. We're going for it. Al Mingaloni? Mingalone. 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 Where was he? We're going to call him Al. He was in Maine. Old Orchard Beach, Maine. He strapped himself into a parachute harness and then attached 32 weather balloons to it in an attempt to take overhead film footage. 32 weather balloons? Those are fairly large, aren't they? Yeah, and he strapped himself in a parachute harness, and I'm sure he had help, you know, some kind of a cable system to hold him down while they did it. But yeah, he put 32 weather balloons and then went on this cable with his film footage. Shoot, what year was this? I think it was like 1936. I can't believe I didn't write that down. Yeah, I think it was in 1936. So this is old school. So he's up there spinning the film reel. And then he goes up in these balloons. It was groundbreaking. It was like first of its kind. You know, this is like Charlie Chaplin days when they're trying to figure out how to do all these stunts and stuff. Well, he wanted the aerial footage. So up he goes. Whole thing took an unexpected twist when the rope, so he did have a rope, the rope that was keeping him from floating away, it snapped. And so he's taking off with these 32 weather balloons. He's 700 feet in the air. And then a local clergyman, Father James J. Mullen, was watching this whole thing happen, chases him down like 13 miles. I'm assuming he's not on foot. I would assume he was in a vehicle or something. Took his 22 caliber rifle with him and then shot out a couple of the balloons. Al was able to float back down to safety. Ooh, good thing. Yeah. You'd think you'd have like a backup plan. So, well, I mean, when you're a pioneer in your field, you're bound to run into some issues. But this a one A second is... rope. You don't have to be a genius to be a second rope or something. Bring a pistol. Something. Yeah, well, luckily the father had a uh, twenty-two caliber with him and just takes off on horseback or something. Nice. On a unicycle. Good job, father. <laughs> right? Just chased him down. Could you imagine seeing that whole thing happen? I feel like that would be better footage. I hope he, I wonder if he was filming the whole time. I hope so, yeah. I feel like that would make some pretty epic, like an epic movie. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. The runaway ballooner. Just to give you an idea, 1936, cluster ballooning became a thing. They, uh, They filmed it and there we go. That was actually the inspiration for a resident of Southern California. His name is Lawrence Richard Walters, and he goes by Larry. So Larry was that kid that wanted to be a pilot. 
just obsessed with it. That's what he wanted to do. And he was going to grow up and he was he was going to be a pilot. He, unfortunately, did not have very good eyesight. He was not able to pursue his dreams of joining the Air Force because of this. This was back in, what was it? It would have been in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s. He just, he wasn't accepted. And so that was that. Hmm. It did not, however, stop him from continuing to dream about it. Any way to get himself up in the air. And at 13 years old, he started to think about using balloons to get the job done. So he is in a military surplus store and they had these little figurines that were strapped to balloons, he said. I I mean, I've been in a military surplus store before and usually they'll have the little army men with the parachutes. Right. So I don't know. He's 13 if he confused those, but whatever. They were hanging from the ceiling and he's like, ooh, I could use a balloon. And that just kind of sat in the back of his head for a while because as he got older, um, you know, eventually you do have to grow up. And if you can't pursue your dreams, you have to find something else. There's bills. Fill up a balloon. You fill up a balloon. (laughs) Can't pursue your dreams. Dream of balloons if you can't pursue your dream of being a pilot. So he ended up in the lucrative career of truck driving. By 1982, at the age of 33, he decided it was now or never. If he was going to do it, today is the day. (laughs) So he decided that he was going to use balloons to float over the Mojave Desert. So Larry's employer was Filmfare Studios. He drove trucks for them. He used their name on a purchase order under the pretense that that company was filming a commercial, and he purchased 45 eight-foot weather balloons and then enough helium to fill them. So with the help of his girlfriend, Carol, he filled 43 of those balloons. He attached them to just a regular lawn chair and then strapped himself to a parachute, and in his own backyard in San Pedro, California, he climbed aboard. So he'd strapped this thing down using his Jeep as the weight, filled all the balloons, got his parachute on, sat down in the chair. He had a loaded pellet gun with him with the purpose of shooting out the balloons when it was time to come back down. He had a CB radio. He brought some sandwiches, a camera, and of course some beer. (laughs) He was ready. Sandwiches and beer. I like how this guy planned it out. So his girl at the time helped him. He had his buddies there as well, (laughs) and everybody gathered. I'm sure they had a a pregame barbecue, and Larry got in his chair and off and away. (laughs) That's crazy. Nobody stopped him. No, in fact, his friends are the ones that cut him loose. Crazy. I have a feeling, given the gear that he loaded up, that they probably, there were some fireworks. They also brought beer. A a celebration of life. Yeah. (laughs) Larry. So his intention was to take a a quick trip, go up a couple hundred feet, vibe, you know, feel life, and then come back down. That was was his intent. When they cut the straps, his chair shoots up and he hits 16,000 feet within a couple of minutes. Yeah. (laughs) He's now in commercial airspace. (laughs) I don't know how. I hope he brought a jacket. Oxygen tank or something you know he could have used one of those little boost canisters up there so he starts drifting because the wind picks up up there there's nothing stopping it right he drifts down long beach 
and he starts messing up the airspace over at Long Beach Airport. And he ends up chilling in front of one of their runways, their their landing strips. And he uses his CB radio to contact a group called R-E-A-C-T, REACT. It's a citizen's band radio. They're a monitoring organization. They actually recorded the conversation that they had with him, and it went as follows. REACT confirms they, they can hear him. And What information do you wish me to tell the airport at this time as to your location and your difficulty? And then Larry says, uh, the difficulty is this was an unauthorized balloon launch, and uh, I know I'm in federal airspace, and I'm sure my ground crew has alerted the proper authority, but could you just call them and tell them I'm okay? <laughs> and React says, well, uh, stay safe and try not to shut it up. Dad, I have no idea. Dad, shut it up. I don't know if that was a common saying back then, but I mean, we could all fill in the blank of what they meant. Right. Larry's chilling over the Long Beach airport. And he remained floating up there for about 45 minutes before he shot out two of the balloons. And he shot out two specific balloons to make sure that his chair didn't tip over. But he did end up losing grip on his pellet gun and dropped it. Oh, man. He's slowly descending, just painfully slowly dropping altitude. And he's finally starting to get close to land. And the two lines from the shot out balloons get all caught up in a power line. <laughs> so he's now still slowly floating, but he's all caught up. I, potential huge issue right there. Right, yeah. He ends up being able to safely climb down to the ground, but he did bust up the power lines and caused a 20-minute power outage to the entire area <laughs> he was in. So he's immediately arrested. You know, he's just sitting up in his lawn chair, probably chugging that last beer that he has. And the police are waiting for him as he's slowly descending. Awesome. So the Long Beach Police Department arrests him. The regional safety inspector, Neil Savoy, was quoted as saying, We know he broke some part of the Federal Aviation Act. And as soon as we decide which part that is, some type of charge is going to be filed. If he had a pilot's license, we'd suspend that. But he doesn't. <laughs> Absolute legend. <laughs> so they initially hit him with a $4,000 fine for, quote, operating an aircraft within an airport traffic area without establishing and maintaining two-way communications with the control tower. Wow. He appealed these charges, totally trumped up charges. They, he's flat out said we don't know what law he broke but we're gonna find one and we're gonna right, slap him yeah, with it. searching for a crime there uh, yeah so he appeals the charges and got the fine reduced to fifteen hundred dollars they also tried to hit him with operating a civil aircraft for which there is not currently in effect an airworthiness certificate but that also was dropped as it was found to not be applicable to the scenario because the yeah it's not an aircraft, right? No intent. Yeah, term, like really yeah. loose term. <laughs> they, yeah, whatever. So those those got dropped. Now his story inspired a few other people. He ended up doing some talk shows. I think he was on the Tonight Show or Larry King or something. 
He quit his job to try to be a motivational speaker. I think about following your dreams. None of that ended up panning out long term for him. They did end up quoting him. He said, it was something I had to do. I had this dream for 20 years. And if I hadn't done it, I think I would have ended up in the funny farm. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a mo- I would listen to him as a motivational speaker. Right? It's yeah. kind of sad. I feel like, you know, we have so much access to how-tos and instructions. It's just at, yeah, at the tip of our fingers. For everything, you can just look up a YouTube video. Somebody's already done the trial and error process of it. But in 82, you just kind of get dumped out there. Right. I'm sure they had books and stuff from the library, but, you know, you just kind of got to go figure it out on your own. And I feel like maybe if he'd had a little more instruction or coaching, maybe he could have done something with that. Because who does that? Who puts all this, orchestrates this whole thing, sticks with their dream? I mean, I'm 33 and I'm trying to follow my dreams, but it's like, you know, there's YouTube videos for everything for me to follow. If you just threw me out there and said, hey, go do this. I wouldn't have any idea where to start. And I feel really bad for the guy. But he ended up being a park service ranger for a while. They split him and and his girl that helped him do this. And he kind of struggled with it and unfortunately ended up ending his his life. Jeez. He ended up ending his life in the, the national park. Well, geez, that's sad. That story did not get, got really somber. I know. It got really dark really quick. But Lawn Chair Larry... Well, hats off, Larry. Yeah, I know. He's a legend. Lawn chair Larry the legend. Poor guy. I had high hopes for him. I was yeah. a consider me a fan, Larry. <laughs> yeah. I liked that story. Yeah. Makes me want to go try a balloon launch. I know. I want to go. Yeah, I mean, 40 balloons seems like a lot, though. 43? I mean, I guess they must have looked at something about the weight rating. I don't know. I would be curious if they did or not. Maybe he was just trying to cover his bases. But the first guy did just fine, you know, with all that film equipment, too. It was probably heavy. So you figure similar weights there, depending on the guy's size. Doesn't matter. Not not getting that detailed here. But the first guy only had how many balloons? Like 30-some-odd. Yeah, like 32 balloons or something. Yeah, he only had 32 balloons, and he got 700 feet up in the air. Got the job done. Right. You're floating around. Whatever. (laughs) But to give you an idea, he had 32 balloons. Two got shot out and he landed safely on his legs. Larry had the chair and shot out two balloons. So he had 41 still. That's 11 more balloons than the first guy. How much longer did it take him to descend from 16,000 feet? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Oh, well. Poor Larry. Our second story takes us to... I'm just going to, I'm not even, I'm going to just say this how I would say this. Pelotas, Rio Grande do Sol, Brazil. Why are you staring at me like that? I'm not staring at you. Okay. We're going to follow Adelaire Antonio de Carli. He was born February 8th in 1967. He grew up to become a priest within the Catholic Church, and he was also a human rights activist. In 2006... DeCarly spoke out about human rights violations against the homeless in Paranagua. They were so egregious that his claims, because he was pretty specific with who he pointed his finger at, ended with seven of their municipal guard agents and the municipal security secretary to be arrested. Whatever he claimed, he proved, and it it was pretty bad. 
He was on a roll at that point. He always had his religious beliefs and his fight for equality as the driving factor for his actions. And he combined that with his skills as an experienced skydiver to start a project to raise money for a spiritual rest area for truck drivers in Paranagua. Ooh, very nice. (laughs) He's an experienced skydiver. When did he have time for that? (laughs) Who just goes out and does that? I guess we did. Skydive? But we're not experienced. Not experienced. The picture of you. We had an experience. We had an experience. Yes, we did. Why did We did that for our birthdays. Yeah. That was so much fun. That was fun. The pictures. I was the one where my skin zipped back on my face, <laughs> and I looked like an old lady, and you were just so happy. I think your <laughs> belly was sticking out, like your shirt rolled up a little uh, yeah. bit. <laughs> And you just had the biggest grin on your face. It was beautiful. We paid extra for those pictures. Lord help us. All right. Spiritual rest area for truck drivers in Paranagua. That's our new goal. We want to raise money for that. He decided that he was going to do so by trying to break a world record. He was going to have the longest time in the air cluster ballooning. His first attempt was in January of 2008. It ended up being a four-hour flight from Ampera, Parana, Brazil. Please forgive me for mispronouncing all of that. To San Antonio Misiones, Argentina. Now, he successfully flew the 16 miles using 600 helium balloons. This one didn't even (laughs) say what kind of balloons they were. They just said... Probably regular-ass balloons. Party city balloons? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Helium balloons. I can't imagine it would be 600 weather balloons, though. It's Yeah, I'm sure it was. He would have hit the stratosphere in like right. 10 seconds flat. Okay, so he gets all the way up to 17,400 feet in the air. His rigged craft, which consisted of just a chair and the balloons, was then, he, he was reset. He went back down, landed, everything went great. Still had his eye on the prize. We, we need to get this truck stopped. So to break the world record for a cluster balloon flight, he needed to be up there for 19 hours. And he wanted to get those truck drivers the new rest stop. And when some weather blew in on the day of his scheduled flight, ain't no way it's going to rain on his parade. (laughs) April 20th of 2008, zipped up into his thermal flight suit, he answered a couple of questions from some local television stations that had gathered. He had a lot of supporters, a lot of spectators. People got involved again. <laughs> you know, we have the crack of beer and everybody hanging out. I'm sure there was some barbecuing. Hell yeah. Yeah. One of the reporters walks up to him and says, pushing forward with the flight with the, the rain coming down as hard as it, as it is, just sounds like stubbornness at this point. It just doesn't seem like a well thought out plan. Maybe you could put it off. And his response was, there will only be good weather for my flight. What is that supposed to mean? That he was just looking up at the rain and denying that there was rain. All right. (laughs) To each his own. So for this flight, he'd geared up just a little bit different, and he'd actually trained. He had gone through jungle survival training and mountain climbing courses in preparation for this. I'm sure for the navigating the land below in case he landed a little too soon. Sure. He'd outfitted his chair with a parachute, so he was now wearing a parachute, and a helmet. He had waterproof coveralls on, a cell phone, a satellite phone, a GPS device, 
the aluminum thermal flight suit that he'd zipped into, at least five days of food and water, and he had rigged it all to an upgraded flotation device chair using a thousand balloons this time. Now, feeling assured of his success through his faith and his purpose, Padre de Carli, aka Padre Balario, I'm actually I'm gonna go look this up real quick on how to pronounce this. Baloeiro. 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 Quit while I'm behind. <laughs> Baloeiro. Got it. Thank you. That's what he's known as, also. Okay. So he took to the skies in search of infamy. A call came in from his cell phone to the military police during the night asking for help locating his coordinates. Mind you, he had a GPS system with him. I I don't know if he just didn't know how to use it or if it was malfunctioning. It's nighttime. He's probably cold, tired, and he's sitting there in his chair. He's about 16 miles off the coast of the islands of Tamboretes as the winds had blown him way off course because he also went up during the middle of a rainstorm. Right. People, like, you just, maybe he should have waited. So he asked them to contact the authorities for assistance in the area where he was located. And although the direness of his situation was recognized, the authorities in the area were unable to locate him. That's, that's the last anybody heard from him. So after two days of searching, the fire department commander estimated that the priest had about 80% chance of survival, given as he had been relatively prepared for the situation for two days. So up to that point, the Brazilian Navy had gotten involved in the search and rescue efforts. But after about nine days of searching, they did end up calling off the search, saying that it was a, a very remote chance of finding him alive. So he took off April 20th, 420. Oh, man. July 4th of 2008. And this gets pretty grim. The lower half of a human body was found floating in the ocean by a support vessel for an offshore oil rig about 62 miles from Macai, M-A-C-A-E. Macai? You were unhelpful. Macai. 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 We're going to say Macai. Due to the clothing and then later confirmed by a DNA test, Adelir Antonio de Carli was positively identified and pronounced dead. He was laid to rest in Ampere, Ampere, Parana, Brazil. (laughs) (laughs) I, Jesus, help us. He died a priest, an activist, and a cluster ballooner. Did they figure out why? Was he like eaten by a shark or something? They did not give away those details. A lot of the what I looked into was just about his trip up there and the hype that he created and the fact that he was a human rights activist. He's pretty beloved in his area. People really appreciated his spunk, his his gusto for life and people, and they didn't really focus on his unfortunate and untimely death. Uh, poor guy. Yeah. I, it's uh, scary to think about, especially at night, being that high up and so exposed to the elements. Right. You know, when you have that regret, but you can't turn back, there's no way to really there's turn back. There's literally no way. Yeah. I, I mean, and you don't want to come down. He was prepared if he fell in the water. He was prepared if he fell in the jungle or in the mountains. But unfortunately, we'll never know. There was no black box or anything with him. So I see. It does make you curious, though, about what happened. Yeah, 100%. 
like if wonder the if you just kind of like him. got delirious after a while and jumped or something well and uh, you know if there is rain there's usually some kind of a disturbance in the clouds like lightning thunder a lot of static electricity and if he's using his party city birthday balloons those rubbing together that's a lot of static electricity you'd think that would attract lightning like a lightning rod yeah and it sounds definitely. like he had a lot of metal up there with him too yeah it just seems like a recipe for disaster yeah Should've just waited dude yeah right I should listen to that advice. I always, if we were just talking, I probably should have waited to pull the trigger on releasing our first episode until I had a couple under my belt. Yeah, but the risk to reward ratio is a little different there. I didn't fall into the ocean. Right. Still feel like I'm drowning sometimes in my own. (laughs) Well, not split in half. (laughs) Potentially eaten by a shark or whatever. That is one of my worst fears. I have a fear of open water. And after I saw Jaws, I have a fear of even being in swimming pools by myself. Well, the sharks don't hang out in swimming pools. Jaws did. Bruce got in a swimming pool. Did you ever see Jaws 2? It's been a long time. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, he totally, it was one of those saltwater swimming pools or it was connected to the ocean. And they're all having a party and there's people in the water. And I think there was like one kid in the water. I just watched it that one time when I was a kid and I've been horrified ever since. And Jaws is just like dun, 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 dun. And then there's blood massacre in the pool brutal brutal you never know you can't see underwater real well we are not apex predators we are not the top of the food chain for the ocean at all we're the bottom or all that way high up apparently what in the ocean or just in general in the air with balloons with helium filled balloons in the air on the land yeah with the balloons we don't have like if you didn't have a weapon or gear with you and you were just an, an, as nude as an animal out in the wild and told to fend for yourself with your teeth and your nails, you would die. You'd be so fucked. We are not apex predators. Right. We just have opposable thumbs and a frontal lobe. That's right. about it. <laughs> that's what sets us apart. That's, that's why we, in all our own hubris, think that we are. You know, send yourself up in the air with a thousand helium balloons and then land in the ocean. Tell me you're still the apex. Well, sorry for that guy. Padre. Padre. All right. And just because I couldn't not bring it up, I don't know if you remember when we were nearing the end of our teenage years, Balloon Boy. Do you remember Balloon Boy from Fort Collins, Colorado? Uh, Enlighten me. Okay. October of 2009, Richard and Mayumi Heen called in the National Guard after releasing a homemade flying saucer-shaped helium balloon. I remember this story, yes. Yes. Everything happens north of Denver, and it's wild up there. Like when that jet engine blew up and then just dropped on all those houses. I think in Brighton. <laughs> it's like a 747 and just... Yeah, they landed at DIA. It doesn't matter. Okay. So they called in the National Guard saying they'd made this flying saucer-shaped helium balloon. They released it in Fort Collins. For those of you that don't know, Fort Collins is north of Denver. Maybe an hour, hour and a half drive. Right. It reached heights of 7,000 feet during its 90-minute flight. And the Heens both claimed that their six-year-old son, Falcon, was on board. As the balloon is being tracked down over a 50-mile stretch, it finally came to rest 12 miles north of DIA or Denver International Airport. It had nobody on board. It was just the balloon. 
So they start this massive search as some of the witnesses who had seen the balloon float past said they saw something fall from the balloon mid-flight. So somewhere between Fort Collins and Northeast Denver, something fell out. No boy is on board. Parents are saying boy was on board when it took off. Lots of questions there. Well, it turns out during their search that they searched the Heen's home and property and they found Falcon hidden up in their own attic and they had faked the whole thing. They sure did. A little bit of backstory. Richard and Mayumi met in acting school in California before they ended up in Colorado. A lot happened in between there, but just for the sake of time, Richard had a reputation for being a shameless self-promoter. He was an attention seeker. He wanted to be famous for something. He wanted to be on stage in front of cameras with people knowing his name. Um, He's a UFO enthusiast, a daredevil storm chaser. At one point, I think he actually put himself in a very dangerous situation trying to, again, get attention being in, in the middle of a tornado. But he also involved his children in his endeavors. So they had three children total. Falcon, I believe, was their middle son, their middle child. After they found Falcon in the attic, it took them, what, a month, two months? So this happened at the beginning of October in 2009. On November 13th of 2009, Richard Heen pled guilty to attempting to influence a public servant for lying about his son Falcon. And he was sentenced to 90 days in jail in order to pay $36,000 in restitution. They got the National Guard involved. And then Mayumi Heen was sentenced to 20 days of weekend jail. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that video they posted too. It was like so clearly fake, you know, and looking back on like how the internet is these days, nobody would give that like any time of day. Yeah. But in 2009, it was a big deal. Yeah, it, it was. was all it over. Made... I mean, that was still just like where people were watching the news for yeah. their daily. Facebook was still relatively new. I think I just moved over from MySpace to Facebook. Right. Yeah, so that was big. I mean, everybody was glued to the TV, but now you're on days of like Twitter, you know. And everybody would have shared that video in like two seconds and been like, that is not real. Hashtag not winning. I remember like it was like they showed the balloon. And then the kid, and then they panned away, and then they panned back, and it was like, oh, he's in the balloon, and it's floating away. Like, it was, no, he's not. He's <laughs> sitting in the attic window eating snacks. Yeah. If I recall correctly, hadn't they set him up with snacks and blankets and told him to hush, and there was candy in it for him? or they, I, I thought they bribed him or something. Yeah, I think if I remember, they, they wanted him, they were trying to set him up to be there for a while. Yeah, well, he got known as Balloon Boy. <laughs> He's still known as Balloon Boy. That's unfortunate. Not awful. Yeah. I don't I wonder if they lost their children over it. Well, I mean they didn't really necessarily endanger their children. Is he the regularly thing took his children on storm chases though. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Actually lived near the area in Iowa where where they filmed what's that one storm chaser movie that's really popular? Twister? Yes, Twister. So when those data spheres that Mm -hmm. they had that they were trying to release in to capture the inside of a tornado drop down that hill and start rolling down the hill. I actually used to live near that hill. Oh, really? Yeah. It's my claim to fame. Feel free to interview me about it. Ask me questions. (laughs) What's it like living for a second of your life? What was that like? Near the hill where they filmed. 
Imagine you're fighting off the paparazzi all day. We've got cows. <laughs> That's what I've got for you. That was fun. The misadventures of Lawn Chair Larry, the unfortunate end of Padre de Carly, and Balloon Boy. I'm surprised at how many people survive this balloon idea. I'm survived. I'm survived. I'm surprised that me and my siblings survived. We used to jump off the roof and jump out of trees with various different size of plastic bags and umbrellas trying yeah, to Yeah, everybody tried that for sure. <laughs> we had this big old cherry tree in the front yard and we just leap out of it with yeah. trash bags. Why did we do that? Because those were the real days where the strong were separated from the weak. <laughs> uh, well, came out on the other side. That's right. <laughs> Stronger person. Plus, I'm really good at climbing trees. We'll have to put together a stunt here soon. Well, that one night when I tried to get the glow stick out of the tree while we were camping, and I was like, don't worry, I'm really good at climbing trees. And I got all the way up there, I threw the light stick at you, and then the branch broke. (laughs) Well, I specifically remember you being like, no, I don't need your help. I was like, all right. And then I turn around, and I turn back around, and you're laying on your back on the floor. (laughs) I was like, okay. I was trying to impress you. It I was worked. impressed thoroughly. We're still dating. Yeah, that's right. It worked. It's like an eight foot fall like a champ. You did. Right on my back. <laughs> now I wonder why it hurts all the time. Right. Got anything else? I don't have anything else. I was just tuning in. Thank you so much for joining us tonight in apartment 309. Don't forget, we want to hear your own stories. Tell us if you climbed a tree and fell out of it as an adult or a child. <laughs> If you've had any misadventures or know somebody who did, if you've got any paranormal experiences, anything with true crime, if you've had alien encounters, if you saw the balloon flying from Fort Collins to DIA, let us know. You can hit us up at apartment309podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to hit that follow button. That way, if we have sporadic releases over the summer, you are still able to follow us. Our plan right now, again, is to just release every other week one episode. You can follow us on Instagram at apartment309podcast. And don't forget to rate and review. Uh, We want to hear what you guys like, what you don't like. We also want other people to be able to find us too. So if you know anybody you think would be interested, let them know. That's what we're here for. Tell us if you've been abducted. If you've been abducted, we need to know. Like immediately. I want to know. I think Eric's been abducted, and he's just in denial about it. Not that I know of. Fugue state, man, you wouldn't know. He's in denial. Well, we hope you join myself, Lauren. And Eric. Next time in Apartment Apartment 309. 309.